This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 15 ounces of leather and compressed air. A dead object? No, not really. Just resting, waiting for a signal from its master. And suddenly it's full of life, doing everything that Pelé wants it to. But even for Pelé, there was a time when the ball didn't always obey him. It was only hours of lonely practice as a boy that gave him this skill. Often he had no real soccer ball to practice with. He had to make do with whatever he could. Maybe a ball of old rags tied with string. Or sometimes it was a grapefruit. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm your host, David Michael. This is the first episode of the glorious footballing year that was 2023, where Villa are 100%. Well, they are after the first day anyway. Joining me to discuss kind of a perfect away performance in many ways, uh, Mr. Chris Bird, Mr. Phil Shaw, welcome. Hello, sir. Happy New Year. Please come and join me in the year 2023. We're coming at light speed, haven't we? It's shiny, isn't it? It's good in this year. It's a lot more optimism than uh, that previous year, which uh, we'll call it. It, it should have been. They should have renamed twenty twenty two to twenty twelfth because we were twelfth in the league as we sat. We were twelfth in the calendar year. It was just very twelfthy, apocalyptic, very twelfthy, and not very healthy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now we are well in the form league over the last six games. We're now sixth, so we're twice as good as we used to be already. And that's only just after one day. Imagine we've got three games at home coming up in the next week. So God bless continual improvement, eh? Oh, at the end of next week, we, we're <laughs> going to be unstoppable. I think <laughs> we'll, we'd have legitimate momentum once you stitch all those wins together. Mm, Hopefully, hoping. wins. Yep. Indeed. Well, it makes a change. Funny enough, I was watching a film uh, earlier on. Well, actually, last night I finished it in the morning. Uh, Triangle of Sadness. I thought that might be us three today. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, no, it's uh, the Triangle of Joy. 
which uh, I'm glad because you suddenly get people talking about how negative we are. I, I was looking at some old reviews. Somebody bagging us out for being negative about when, when Coutinho signed. Not in a negative, we're just telling it as it is, and it kind of played out as it was. Or the, uh, how dare you hold Dr. Tony to account? Hmm. He's the, he's the best thing ever. Okay. Then how, uh, you know, when after the Manchester United game in Australia, we thought, oh, this looks a bit dodgy with Gerard. People said, don't be so negative. I can't listen to the show so negative. No, it's, that was the truth. What happened? There he goes. We, we don't tell you lies. We don't do this podcast to tell <laughs> you lies. We'd rather be positive. <laughs> yes. We'd rather be positive and fake it and be blindly positive. But thank God, 2023, we can be genuinely positive. Now, that's our style, genuine positive. That's our default setting. It's unfortunately been hampered over the last 10 years or so by Aston Villa. So, <laughs> so please forgive us for that. Been swimming against the tide for all those years. And now it's like, <laughs> the, the sails are up, get the wind behind us, go. No, exactly. I mean, some people will be raining it in. It's only one game. As somebody said, replied to me on Twitter, oh, you remember Burnley three years ago? This is different. This is like uh, the new managers come in. We've got a completely different gravy of, of squad to three years ago. We don't have a manager that uh, has since been sacked by Norwich in the championship. Uh, He's going to struggle to get a top flight, decent job. Burnley weren't previously in the Champions League places. No, they're not Spurs. (laughs) Yeah, Burnley don't have world-class, two world-class guys in the front line. One of them who seems to score uh, at least twice or is involved in two goals a game against us in Son. So there's room to be optimistic. This is, you know, backed up. Poor old Emery had to start off in the league anyway. Manchester United at home. We we don't beat Manchester United at home. I mean, most people under the age of, what, 25? Never seen it. Probably under the age of 30, I'd have thought. Yeah, Brighton away. Tough game. They were they were going well. And then you've got Spurs and Liverpool, the other side of the World Cup. And you're thinking, this could be a sticky wicket. But nine points out of 12 later. And uh, you're thinking, well, that's the hard part out of the way. Now let's get stuck in. And even when you, you know, the game you've lost, you've sort of got you know, cause for optimism from it, which is... Which is always a good sign as well. Yeah. So let's let's begin, shall we? Let's. Coming up in the show, yeah. we will feast heartedly into this uh, victory against Spurs. We'll also uh, flash a quick glance over our shoulder at that Liverpool game, while also taking in all the latest Villa news, the three points, media muppets as usual, and uh, maybe if we're in the mood, uh, have a game of Emery's clipboard. Right, I think it's time to get things rolling with a bit of news, though. Shall we talk about what's grabbed my eye in the news? Well, it actually grabbed Phil's eye uh, in the news. New York, shall we talk about this? Uh, New York has become the latest US state to allow so-called human composting. A person can now have their body turned into soil after their death, which is seen as an environmentally friendly alternative to a burial or cremation. Once uh, all this AI kicks off properly that's the only use humans will have uh, to be compost (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if people are aware of what's happening with this ai revolution but uh, certainly puts a new spin on the phrase soiled himself doesn't it yes (laughs) uh, had no idea that washington was the first state to legalize it and uh, also uh, colorado oregon vermont and california have also uh, followed suit fascinating but let's have some villa news Right, let's start with the uh, injury situation, shall we? Uh, the Ramsey hamstring. Hopefully, uh, I'm, 
I'm hoping he'll see some action against Stevenage. That seems to be uh, where this is pointing the current situation. Uh, would you agree? Hopefully, you know, you don't know what the uh, situation is with McGinn and Louise after Spurs, but if you can get him back sooner rather than later, that would be good, especially while we've got a yep. bit of bit of momentum. Yeah, if he uh, overlaps them, that would be useful. Uh, we, we, we wouldn't want these two guys to be out at any length that it would scupper a uh, selling on Sanson kind of deal. <laughs> Him and Freddie Gilbert should be out. The uh, the French Foreign Le- Legion will be uh, down two men, I think, uh, in this January window. Which is fine because now we found a Frenchman who can cut the mustard. Who? Well, that, 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 that young chap in the middle of the park who seems oh, to be doing well. Oh, yes. Well. <laughs> oh, yes. God, he was French. I didn't quite believe he was French by no. some of his performances. And when I say French, I mean French villain. Uh, French villains uh, tend to join and then just kind of fade away and, and get moved on. But he has set a precedent of being an actual decent Aston Villa French midfielder. Mr. Emi Martinez is back. I think uh, I think I said before the game it's fifty fifty whether whether he would get the start because uh, a you've got that kind of the mental side of the adulation of winning the World Cup and then partying and then doing the whole ceremonial thing in uh, Buenos Aires and in Argentina and having time with your family to then just snap out of that and then go straight into the day to day is going to be a bit difficult especially when you've got uh, Emery still schooling his squad on his tactics and mm-hmm. i think emery's the kind of beast that he will go with the players that have been drilled rather than and you know and, and it kind of showed that young's got the nod over cash olsen obviously got the the nod over martinez and there's a logic to it and it's calculated and that's probably how uh, we, we probably have to get used to a more mathematical approach from uh, emery yeah but a lot of hot air nonsense isn't it it is absolute BS, and we'll get we'll get to it uh, further on in the show. But it's a lot of hot hot air over nothing, really. You've got a choice in the World Cup. You can either be nice and win the fair play award like England, or you can be like Argentina and accuse be the victim, accuse everybody else of being nasty, and just go around shagging trophies and then win the World Cup. That's uh, that's that's how you do it. You got you're either a winner or you're a fair play winner. You choose. Anyway, he'll be back for Wolves, uh, I would imagine. Unless uh, Olsen's our new number one. Mm, don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, somebody who actually came out publicly, personally, and rubbished uh, rumours surrounding him, uh, Philippe Coutinho, basically did a personal statement on Instagram to uh, dump on all these uh, rumours that he was off. His agent was trying to... Uh, sort him out and move back to Brazil and he basically dismissed them all as lies. Uh, transfer rumours, uh, obviously the window has opened now. I haven't even uh, opened my eyelids to this, so I feel sure what's been going on. Anything of interest? Well, everything seems to have be tinged by a bit of a Watford flavour. Um, mm. Two wide players. Oh, I've, just, I've just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> two wide players. Um, one we nearly had at the beginning of the season. Um, Ishmael Asar seems Villa are going back in for him after. Yeah, I don't believe that. I, I might believe it. And the second one is Gerard Delafeu, ex of Watford and Everton and Barcelona. I liked him back in the for Watford. I mean, uh, who was it? It was in the semi final. He, he did that audacious goal. Yeah, yeah against the Wolves, wasn't it? Yeah, floated it into the back post. He's good, but is he? Uh, is he a YouTube highlights man? Or is he somebody who gives you twenty four seven activity every uh, game? Because you know when Watford went down, I didn't see anybody swooping in and uh, claiming him. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he 
he did have a bad injury as Watford went down that season. Oh, so, yeah. so that sort of scuppered that. But um, normally he's twenty eight. So, uh, I mean, I like if he's as you know if he's anywhere near where he was uh, for Watford, then he might be worth pursuing. But is he improving the first eleven? not sure. Normally you wouldn't give rumours like this too much credence at the start, but that's um, they're being reported by Matty Moretto, who was the person, the first person to break the Bubakar Kamara news the sort of like just as soon as Villa had lost to Man City in the last day of the season, he was the yeah. first to break it, so there might be something in it. Because if Emery's getting a tune out of these uh, guys, and we, you know, we've always said these players are underperforming and our buzzword has always been there's been upside, upside for pretty much every player that we are to see. Now Emery seems to uh, beginning, and you know, let's not forget this is only the start, and and it's amazing what he's done already. But we could see a need where we're just, you know, we don't need that much because uh, don't forget Diego Carlos is coming back, so that's pretty much sorting out your uh, defensive situation in terms of providing uh, that competition to uh, sharpen up the centre back positions, and then midfield. I, I kind of like the, the double pivot. I don't think uh, you're going to have to pay big money to improve on that. I think. And if Ramsey comes back, then uh, you suddenly you're scratching your head to what options places, yeah. And then you've got the you know the it's not late. I wouldn't call it a lazy assertion, but it's like that. We need a striker. We, you know, we need somebody more clinical. But then you're thinking, well, Watkins does a lot for the team uh, in terms of taking on back fours on his own and creating opportunities. But we do have a legit finisher striker, but he there's no room for him in the team, which is Danny Ings. Yeah. So you'd have to have somebody dead good at many things. It's not just a fox in the box, because I don't think we can accommodate just a straight-up finisher, can we? No. He has to, he has to bring more no. to the party. And I, th- and I think you, know, you, you talk about you know if you're going to be better than what Watkins can bring, Ings can bring maybe a little bit of Bailey and Buendia in there as well, throw Coutinho in the mix. You're looking at a very, very good player. <laughs> You know, you're, at this yeah. point, I don't think Villa are bringing in anybody who's not a starting lineup improver. To do that, you're going to spend yeah. money. You know, we've already done the sort of the Dendonka and the you know Augustinson deals and, and a little bit more squad based. The squad is in relatively good shape. I think now it's about those real you know cherry on top players, if you want to put it that way. And if they're not out there, they're not out there. I don't. I don't think you know from what Perslow has said before, and this was even with you know to Gerard that they're not just going to spunk money on it on any old player just to appease yeah. the fans who go, oh, we just want players. I'm like they'll be like, get a tune out of what we've got, and we've got a bloody good side that I would personally say is good enough to be sort of a top eight team or certainly you know top 10 eighth ninth or tenth type of team to push on you know further then you've got to spend money but i don't think we're there yet so yeah if you compare our let's say our i don't know top 15 players to newcastles you would probably uh if you had to choose one or the other you'd probably choose ours well, they've got they've got guys in form, haven't they? Which is Am the difference. Am I saying well. that with claret and blue glasses? I, I don't know. A I little think bit. I mean, they've spent some they've spent some good money on players like Bruno, Guimaraes, and those sort of guys. They've got a couple of really good players, but I think so have we. But they're just yeah. they're an example of a, a real. They are the epitome of they are great in the sum of their parts. I would say individually, and the big thing that we've said about with the coaching is you look at what they've done with Almiron and Joe Linton. And they've turned them into probably, they've gone from being two laughing stock players, both yeah. within their club and in the wider league. And now they're probably their two best players. But they've clicked and they've got momentum they've and clicked confidence. And, got it and, and the fans believe and there's all that sort of stuff. That's what we're looking for, essentially. Yep. 100%. And you'll see a big transformation if we if we manage to achieve that. Mm-hmm. I'd only expect one in, in January. I think wide player is something, a wide attacking player. One that's got to be good enough to be match day squad in terms of 
active match day squad because yep. Emery does use his subs. So uh, we are playing with potentially uh, 16 players as opposed to just the 11. Mm-hmm. And I say 11 with token substitutes. It's more of an active bench. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Well, it's, it's allowing for genuine rotation. Yeah, exactly. Right, uh, moving on. The FA have formally reprimanded Villa's Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Officer, Lucy Keeling, over historic tweets which could have been islamophobic between uh, 2012 and 17 before getting the job at villa could have been is this what the athletic said yes could have been nobody's seen these tweets have they no i, I mean i'm assuming uh, they've been deleted they've been, yes they could have been construed but nobody's actually seen them and villa have come out and said she's she's not going to lose her job they're going to treat it as a learning experience yeah, I mean, it's quite funny to have that specific job and have actually done it, well, been accused of uh, doing it, because, uh, you know, to, to have such a job, you'd expect to be, from the get-go, diverse enough in your thinking. But, you know, without any evidence, it's hard to have any proper input on this. I'll speak to the club about this just to find out what the actual situations are and, you know, what the, what the actual tweets, the contents of the tweets are. Could have been... <laughs> Is a, there's a big difference between actual and could have been, because could have been sounds very inter- interpretation, really. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Leon Bailey's foundation has donated 1.2 million in supplies and gifts to Victoria Jubilee Hospital in Jamaica over the Christmas period. The uh, Victoria Jubilee Hospital is not a garden shed by any chance, is it? No, it's not. And if you look, if you look back, it's not the first time that um, Bailey's Foundation has done this. They're they're quite active in Jamaica. Good work, good work, Mister Bailey. Meanwhile, ghosts of uh, Villa past, Mister Dean Smith has been uh, sacked by Norwich. Just over a year in the job, which uh, I mean, they've lost three of the last four. But the fact is, they were top uh, around I think at the start of October, but now they've slipped to well the ninth uh, as as we speak. They clearly didn't watch any of Dean Smith over the sort of like holiday period and start of the new period at Villa. This is his traditional sort of bad time. Yeah, it, it, it comes. They should have kept fatal, come back again. Yeah, he's we as we described him. He was always very streaky. He was both positive and negative. Well, I don't know about Dean Smith because when Villa got up, it was out of nowhere. I mean, that season was a joke until we went on that ten-game winning streak, and, and that's probably had. At least three players who shouldn't have been anywhere near that division. Yeah, that's the thing. We had uh, the weaponry to probably any manager should be getting us out of that league. We'll see what happens with Smith. It should be interesting, but it's, it's going to be hard for him now to get anything above championship. Or whether he feels he needs a bit of a break. You know, He's had a, a long stint because he went straight to Norwich, didn't he, within a few days of leaving yeah. Villa. If I was him, I'd take a break. And then maybe even do the old McLaren where you kind of disappear uh, onto the continent and regain your uh, cachet over there. Right, now it's time for Media Muppets. Right, Phil, what's in the Media Muppet trough? This week, as we start 2023, are people behaving themselves? Of course not. There's there's <laughs> there's ad revenue to be generated and clicks. Um, I'd I'd love to talk about Football Insider's latest shyster effort here, where they said Norwich have contacted Steve Bruce about replacing Dean Smith. Yes. I mean, <laughs> talk about wind up merchants. Literally winding people up, aren't they? Generating engagement through anger and disbelief. Yeah. 
I mean, where's the ten years like what Bruce used to play for Norwich? That's that's about it. That's the only, that's the that's the only somebody back in the day when we thought, oh, he was good for Norwich back in the day. We'll give him a chance. No, no, just yeah. don't. So, what what do you want to focus on? I think we'll have to focus on the this infamous beef between Emmy Martinez and Unai Emery. Legendary, isn't it? It goes back over years. It's mythical. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, you didn't really hear of it, did you? Until suddenly Martinez becomes a world champion and all of a sudden it's in every news outlet you can find going. I mean, I'll just I'll just go down them here. Emery allegedly can't stand difficult personality and rude Martinez and doesn't want him at Villa. That was Football 365. Then you go to BBC Sport. Unai Emery does not want to work with Argentina keeper Emiliano Martinez and he could now leave in January. Exclamation mark. Not like the BBC to throw an exclamation mark. Dun, dun, dun. Sports Bible, Emery desperate to sell Argentina World Cup winner. It's uh, it's absolute B-O-L-L-O-C-K-S. I know. I mean, it's just, I mean, if they're trying to say that Martinez's sort of antics and his time-wasting and his shithousery, as we called it, is the reason for selling them, they, they did not watch Villa versus Brighton just before the World Cup. I mean, that was his, that was like his magnum opus before the World Cup. I mean, letting the ball bounce well, it, out. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is the thing, the World Cup, it, it reaches out to a more mainstream audience. I mean, everything he did in the World Cup, he did in Copa America, didn't he? Pretty much. Yeah. It's like the playbook is all there. So uh, if you wanted an insight, there, there it is. And, you know, he's he's obviously done plenty for Villa as well and my favourite is still the uh, Manchester United penalty in injury time winding up Fernandez in the Ronaldo yeah I mean it, it, it's it's his game isn't it yeah it's this it's this kind of bitterness because there's certain people don't like what he did and so this is how they're trying to cause trouble you know they're troublemakers and they're trying to get some kind of moral win against Martinez here by stirring it up when you examine this and you know I did this few weeks ago there's you know there's a allegedly uh, there's a little bit of beef there were stories about him falling out at arsenal but the fact was he wasn't even a starter then no he was third choice or if yeah even. and he was always out on loan anyway so you know he was he was a serial loan artist uh martinez going as well as spain he mostly uh different teams uh in the english leagues but we, we did warn people that if Martinez goes to the World Cup and has a good World Cup, that this is just going to amplify everything because they're making stories out of everything. I mean, th- this headline from the usual Birmingham Mail just this summed it up for me. It was Emmy Martinez set for awkward reunion after World Cup antics and Kylian Mbappe taunts. I mean, reunion with who? That was, that was the thing that stuck in my head. Who's he going to reunite with? Yeah. And it turned out... Well, other other go- than the hero's welcome he'll get. Yeah. I know. I mean, it turned out it was actually Hugo Lloris. I mean, the mail said the pair would line up in the tunnel together. Like, obviously thinking it's going to be like Keane and Vieira back in the day. They're going to actually <laughs> come, come to blows. But I mean, half. Yeah. I mean, but Christian Romero plays for Spurs and he was, you know, he was a World Cup winner with Argentina. I suppose he just sat quietly and respectfully in the corner while the rest of the Argentina team were dancing around the changing rooms and everything else. No, I mean, Lloris hasn't had a go at him, has he? Probably not. No, and he's playing on the, the same bloody team. Yeah. It's it's the absolute farce. All the Martinez stuff is just toxic bullshit. It really has no uh, necessity. It's like, oh, they, they see a little chink there. Oh, he's, you know, he's being rude. We can spin all these stories. Emery used to uh, manage him. Emery has walked into a club that's got one of the best goalkeepers in the world. He's he's as happy as a pig in shit when it comes yep. to Martinez. That's the real facts of the matter. Any media nuggets before we move on? Just a small one. It's more so like a, a name to watch out for. 
Um, the Guardian had a piece on Rem's manager, um, Will Still, but there had a slightly misleading headline. They made the jump. He says Will Still made the jump from football manager to Preston to League One. When you say football manager, yeah, the game, the the right. computer game, football manager. It's a bit of a. It's. I mean, it's a bit of a misleading headline because he didn't go straight from his Xbox to the dugout. He's a thirty-year-old manager of British parents, but he was born in Belgium. He played football manager as a teenager, and it convinced him to switch his focus to coaching instead of playing. He's done his due diligence. He's done the rounds, but I'm just thinking he's only thirty, and he's 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 one of the sort of the the rising stars in League League One in France. I mean, he's guiding Rems to safety. He came in as the assistant manager to Oscar Garcia and then when he was sacked he's taken over and he's now oh, right. he's now guiding them up the league. So I mean thirty years old to be a manager, he's gonna be one of these well, you heard it here first probably. One yeah. of those managers the if he does it. will absolutely love him oh, when they, they will be all over it. Yep. Is it, isn't his next move Swansea? Is that how it normally works? <laughs> Swansea and then what? <laughs> Brighton and then Chelsea. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> right, uh, on to the three points quickly. First of all, uh, point number one, Pele, obviously sadly passed uh, due to colon cancer at the age of 82. This is a player that I think back. I think he brought magic to football for the first time because back in the day, you know, it's, it's English football's about muddy pitches, hooliganism, you know, wintry games. And this is a guy that turned football into like art and and poetry of some of the stuff he did and led that whole Brazilian uh, invasion Sound of football. Uh, wasn't it? Yeah, that certainly elevated my interest uh, on on another level. The, the kind of Brazilian teams of the eighties, uh, for sure. And, you know, he was the original goat before goat became a term. 
And, uh, I, you know, I also interviewed him, uh, how many years? Over a decade ago. What do you think about the, the current movement uh, that people want to see video cameras for replays and uh, videos on the line to see if the ball has crossed the line? Do you think that is something that should be introduced? Because teams have even won the World Cup and they should have been knocked out because there was a decision that was wrong. Uh, we discussed that. Uh, yeah. You know, I am a, I am yeah. a part of the yeah. committee of FIFA. The last meeting we discussed that. And that was the, the, main, the thing. main thing. I was you know, in favour if we want to try the, the, the ship, the ship yeah. in the ball yeah. for the heifer, some, some technology like that. I think it's okay. But uh, to use the TV for the play, football, you cannot stop the game and say, okay, stop, let's see the TV. Yeah. Then come back and say, well, you cannot do this. But there's always because, that time where everybody's arguing for five minutes. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, what is, for example, England and, and Germany, until mm-hmm. today, Beckenbauer and Bobby Schwart, until today they talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah. Yeah, no, serious, yeah, serious. They, yeah. When do we have a meeting? They start. No. How, how do you find working with FIFA? Do you think it's very bureaucratic and slow? Very, it's difficult to. You know, I almost uh, 80 years I, I, I fight for one, uh, one uh, chance in the rule. You know, everybody teases me because I, I was forward. Many times I say, listen, everybody wants to see goal. Everybody wants to see open game, but the forward, sometimes you come from the midfield with the ball, counter-attack yeah. them, them. You, you pass one, two, three. When you get in the great area, the last defender makes foul. After you pass three, four players, one defender makes a foul. They make the wall, everything against yeah, you. Yeah. Come back, everything against you. I said, this is not fair. Yeah. It's not fair. I said, we, have, we must change this. Because the wall, in that case, you know, let them play. Or put, if one player make a foul, just one player stay in, in the wall. Because it's unfair this. Yeah. I fight for that. You know. mm-hmm. Still. <laughs> Still, fight. they yeah. don't change. The thing is, Pele was, he's almost like this character in popular culture that's like this kind of Jesus Christ is like Muhammad Ali then is Pele but Pele was a bit of a lad I mean uh, when I interviewed yeah. him we got we got onto the subject of this daughter that he never even remembered the mother <laughs> and <laughs> didn't you know she came uh, knocking on the door I think when she was 28 and said oh hi dad I'm, I'm your daughter and he was like oh, oh shit didn't even remember the mother didn't even remember the night so there is that kind of uh, side to him but had such a nice self-deprivating uh humor to him that you know he's not he, he doesn't have that ronaldo feel or that, that that kind of cold menace of messi he's more of an affable kind of guy but uh, a r- real legit icon of the game and sadly passes he's, he's almost anytime you see videos or something he's almost like he's a time traveler or something it's like what, what what would you get if you put ronaldo or messi back into that time period and that, that's what you get because pelly there's video going around in social media going pelly did it first i mean he does he had all those tricks that all yeah. the players have now but he's playing against basically like almost like neanderthals he's playing against the other players so he's just dancing around them yeah and we can have a heavier ball on crap pitches point number two coventry served with eviction notice by new stadium owners this is something that cropped up before the turn of the year mike ashley remember him his fraser's group uh, took over the stadium at the end of the year after buying its three former operating companies 
They say the championship has no continuing right to use the ground unless a new license is agreed. The club's existing license runs to 2031, and they say the proposed new, new one would expire in 2023. They're a bit unlucky, in this, because we spoke before about the state of their pitch at the start of this season because it had been used by Wasps, and the Wasps hadn't done, hadn't repaired the pitch. They had just left it because they were trying to say, oh, no, we're not in financial trouble. We just didn't do that. Well, turned out Wasps were in financial trouble and within the administration in October, which yeah. is when the Ashley group came in. So Coventry had a nice long lease with Wasps until 2031 but of course new owners come in new brooms we would have actually trying to say that this doesn't stand right point number three uh neymar is reportedly paying spurs uh, and brazilian uh international Rick Charlison to get his face removed from uh, the tattoo on his back who else is on there because there's uh, <laughs> well P- Pele's on it as well it's like Pele didn't get didn't get chance to uh, raise umbrance with Richarlison and Richarlison's on it himself as well so no no ego problems with Richarlison at all to yeah it's a weird there. one I mean pfft. I mean, a it's like uh, I know you've got a tattoo of me on your back but it's I feel uncomfortable with that <laughs> <laughs> I, I was more th- I was more thinking I am going to cover myself in Neymar tattoos if he's going to pay that much money to get each one removed I will, that's that's the business opportunity yeah actually that's a good idea but no it's, it is weird to have like a tattoo of like if you're playing in the same team for example it's just a bit bit creepy isn't it yes it is a bit creepy I mean I don't want to say what goes on in the showers and, and changing rooms but I mean look, <laughs> Neymar looking around and checking the tattoo to see does my hair right does it still look like that it's like looking in a mirror well if you've seen the tattoo it's not yeah they're, and yeah they're not the greatest tattoos to be honest I thought Martinez's World Cup one was a little bit shonky as well uh, but yeah, uh, the one on his leg yeah purely subjective before we uh, crack on uh, with the game against Spurs, uh, a big shout out and a special New Year shout out to uh, the Mile Man Said members. Thank you very much for uh, supporting the show as we go into the new year. And big, big thanks to uh, the new members that have joined us since you know, over the last uh, few weeks, over the Christmas period. Alan Biseka, Ian Bruntlett, Wes Roach, Carl Beasley. Sam Mitchell and Michael Cox, and also uh, thanking the annual, new annual members as well. Brian O'Donnell, Rich Phillips, Nick, uh, you didn't put your surname on it, Rob Carter, Ryan Allen, and uh, Drakan Brennan as well. If you sign up as an annual member, you do get 10% off, which is just over a month. As a My Omensen member, as well as supporting our efforts and the shows, you do get ad free versions of the shows as well as extra shows, and most of all, you get access to Match Club, which uh, we all met up virtually for the Spurs game. Probably, if you're not going to the game, it's probably the best company to have and share the matches with. So uh, if you fancy uh, getting on board and joining us for 2023, please do go to myomansaid.com and click on the members link to get more details and sign up there, or via the link tree that's uh, in the bios of uh, all of the My Man Said social media. Thank you very much. Good challenge from Kamara. Wins it, gives it to Douglas Louise. McGinn pointing where he wants it. Here is the Villa skipper going back towards through the middle and for Douglas Louise for two. What a goal! What a lovely finish from Douglas Louise. He made it, he scored it, he started it off and he finished it. Lovely little flick beyond Hugo Lloris to make it 2 0 to Aston Villa. Right. Boxing Day was always going to be tricky against Liverpool. 
and uh, we seemed a bit flat-footed, but gave them enough of a go to suggest that we just needed to be a bit more clinical, didn't we? Because uh, we created chances against Liverpool. I don't think people left Villa Park feeling too dejected. They knew, obviously, when Liverpool got the third, it was pretty much over as a contest. But we were creating chances... Spurs have conceded at least two goals in their last six games. And you're just thinking, okay, we've conceded three when Olsen has played, but never mind that. Skip over that fact for a second. But this game well, it had a sniff of potential. I mean, on the Something for the Weekend, the preview show, we didn't really want to stick our next fully out, but we both went for a score draw because we, we kind of fancied it just the way it was set up. This was a game where we could actually uh, do a bit of damage. If we got it right, if the game plan, which seems to be an often muted phrase under Emery now, if that was right and it was executed, then we could get something. And as Emery said after the Spurs game, if you want to win against teams in the top six like Tottenham and playing in big stadiums, you know you have to defend with discipline and be clinical when you have chances to score. We didn't do that against Liverpool. I was happy with the performance against Liverpool, but we were disappointed with the result. But that, that kind of hits the nail on the head what happened at Liverpool and what, what the difference was against Tottenham we were very disciplined in our defense and they had periods but we f- we were pretty much comfortable repelling them and then we were clinical when we needed to be and uh, hey ho it was all good and the telling thing I think Emery was happy with what that performance against Liverpool because he kept the same team didn't he yes wasn't even tempted by the Martinez wasn't tempted by Cash switching in for Young I think it's somebody that's gone through all the details and he's relying on the players that have probably been around the most to absorb what he's been telling them i mean obviously you know in terms of martinez he's flown halfway around the world and has had uh let's say uh diverted attention the last couple of weeks in terms of winning the ultimate prize and then obviously celebrating it and doing the duties around that in argentina so perhaps his eye wasn't totally on the ball and physically also he's uh, you know he's just coming off uh, the awkward flight back it's easier to i think travel the other way isn't it in terms of jet lag mm-hmm. so early observations it reminded me a bit about the first game Villa were back in the Premier League against Spurs and in that new Spurs stadium it was a, a good start for Villa only what was missing was the goal that McGinn scored that day but then as the sort of like the half wore on Spurs did come into it a bit more but you notice straight away the like what talked about against Brighton the Villa defence just sort of like shuffling across like a crab the, the the two banks of four just going across and like sort of boxing out any any issues at all that you can see there's Spurs players didn't have a lot of space at all I think Kamara is pivotal to that first bank isn't he because he does get his foot in and he does anticipate the opposition's play yeah he's more of a I think when we first signed him we sort of had a little look at the scout reports he was almost like a sniper he's not one of these like blood and thunder midfielders he just makes sure he reads the game he's in the right place he tends to nick the ball there's a lot of interceptions rather than you know he's not like a, a, a midfield hard man so, you know to reiterate what Phil said it was kind of like the tale of almost two different presses I remember we, we spoke about this in match club that to begin with Spurs let us play and we were quite comfortable in possession of him had about 70% of the ball in the first 15 minutes or so and then I think yeah. Spurs realised actually if they got on top of our fullbacks they could pin us back because when teams get on top of us you know, we saw at Brighton we almost went to a back six and it ended up being sort of we had a, a flat four another bank of four in front very very compacted which is great for stopping teams playing through you which I suppose with players like Son and Kane etc in, in and around the penalty area you've got to stop that what we found after sort of 20 minutes 25 minutes was that 
Villa didn't, they lost their out ball, didn't they? There was the, the one break where Watkins got free and dragged his shot wide. Yeah. Where we sort of hit a corner, hit it into the channel and, and we, you know, we got in behind them. But when we were trying to play out from the back, it got very compact and we just kept giving the ball away. You know, we weren't, we sort of weren't being very wise for that shortish period of the game. And we were quite fortunate in a way in that period that um, Tottenham just weren't, I don't know whether they weren't at the races. They didn't have the that real snap in their game. They didn't really make big chances. There was the one where Ashley Young sort of heads the ball away, you know, where where Olsen kind of comes out and forces the guy uh, away. That was kind but- of in the period where Spurs actually decided to, to quicken up their play. You know, they were doing yeah. a bit more kind of one-touch stuff and you thought, ah, shit, they've yeah. actually uh, woken up. And from sort of like half an hour to just before, you know, when we scored after half time, you and um, you kind of thought, you know, at the start of the second half, well, you can't just retreat to your eighteen yard line and and expect to get over the line. But then, of course, we went up the other end and scored. Yeah, because we were saying uh, at half time in Match Club that really uh, Emery's going to be proactive here because Spurs are. There's a different version of Spurs now in that last ten minutes of the first half. And they traditionally, at the moment, they are, you know, they're finishing games well. I think, is it is it the last six in the league they've gone behind, they've come from behind? I think it's the last 10 in all competitions they've conceded first. So you kind of thought the first goal is going to be big here. Yeah, I think it's like the last... Go and get it. <laughs> six out of seven yeah. games or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, so you're thinking they're going to come strong. And so you're looking at what can Villa do to preempt uh, and, let's say, intercept this kind of up in tempo from Spurs. And uh, it, it never really materialised because... No, it didn't. Villa scored early and it, it just changed the whole pattern of the game. Yeah, and I'd also sort of add to that, just at the end of the first half, we were sort of talking, weren't we? And we said... It's so rare that you'll have three centre backs of the opposition all on yellow cards, which Villa had forced. Yeah, go and go and get after them. You know, turn them round, make them face their own goal, make them make some rash decisions if you can. Luckily, the, whether you'd call it a rash decision or just an error, but the um, you know, the first goal from Buendia basically comes from a speculative effort from Louise, where nine times out of ten, Louise falls on the ball, very routine save but fumbled it and I think Watkins did really well you know he, he did really well for the goal it's worth stopping there on the Lloris yep. you're looking at the goalkeeper in exactly the same position as Martinez be it he was the losing uh, keeper in that game but this is his first game back Yep. now is his head all there because that's a routine stop normally and for him as, as we to said do, had he? he'd had absolutely nothing to Caught do in the cold. game I mean we're speculating here but it kind of makes Emery's decision to give Martinez an extra game it kind of Gives it a bit of credence, really. Yes, and it, you know, once he once he fumbles it, I think Watkins does superbly, sets Buendia up, and it's a it's a really smart finish through traffic as well. Yeah, and it, and it really changes the game. You know, obviously, a, a relatively against the run of play, and then you could just see from that first goal, Villa just grew and grew and grew into the game, and from that point on, they never really looked back, did they? Well, the interesting thing was Villa went all Gareth Southgate because uh, Ces- Ryan Sessegnon came on. So I don't know if it was directly to uh, counter that. But, you know, only was like two or three minutes after, off came uh, Leon Bailey and on came Matty Cash. And that was to obviously give you, because he played in front of Ashley Young. So that was to counter that threat. I don't know if he would have made that same decision if it was still nil-nil. So there was a bit of protecting what we had there. Uh, and also gave uh, Matty Cash a bit of a chance to have a bit of a blast from the past and play in his original position as a as an out-and-out winger. Yeah. Although, obviously, with a more conservative frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can just tell with with changes like these and things, Villa aren't easy to play against anymore. I mean, the three Spurs players getting booked in the first half just shows that it was frustration, most of them. I mean, Villa are starting to sort of like 
get under the skin of the opposition they're playing against them because you have those two banks of four that are frustrating attacks and then when Villa do get it up to Watkins or Bailey they're not easy to get the ball off so that they're throwing tackles and things like that so it's you're almost getting into where you wanted Villa to be that nobody really wants to play them at the minute yeah because the interesting thing was that the, the commentator uh, said when Cash came on it's like this is like Villa getting defensive bringing on a, a full back for a winger not really realising that Cash is actually a winger but the, the beauty of it was uh, it didn't manifest into like this defensive uh, batten down the hatches because we scored within like five, I think it's seven minutes. And it was a well, well worked work goal from uh, off the ball, stealing the ball off Spurs and then the kind of fluid and sublime uh, approach play and finish. Brilliant goal. Great ball, my beginner. I thought I had a really good game again. He, I thought he did well against Liverpool. He had some really good moments in the Spurs game. They, all, they were all probably guilty in the first half of giving the ball away. But actually, when he when he got in the, to that position where you in the past, you've probably seen him have a bit of a pot shot and he'd have been fairly justified. He picks his pass to Louise brilliantly. His first touch is great and it's a smart finish. And yeah, outside really, of the boot. Yeah, at 2-0, it's game over, isn't it? Because Tottenham had nothing. Yeah, But also, to take note, this is Douglas Louise of a double pivot. Bombing Douglas on. Louise is going to be in that second bank of four and we're 1-0 up and we've just brought on a, another right back allegedly to uh, batten down the hatches and here's Douglas Louise the furthest forward midfielder putting it away yeah that, well, that excites me actually that just mm. shows you we've that we've got fluidity in that midfield we've got players in Louise and Kamara that actually are comfortable at both both ends of the pitch yeah, and you know, with with the last well, Liverpool more so, but Watkins has had a little bit of stick from people for not putting chances away. But his overall impact in terms of assists, uh, etc., has been fantastic. And the fact that you've now got players like Buendia, Louise getting in the goals, you know, Ramsey got in the goals, didn't he, against in the Man United game? These guys going beyond the striker, which you have to do now if you're going to play a lone forward. Yeah, you know, you got guys like Coutinho coming off the bench um, soon after the goal, and I thought he had a really good little. It was about what. 15-minute um, cameo. I thought it was really neat and tidy, made a few good things happen. It bodes well. It certainly does. I mean, I would just say on the, the second goal again, it's both the ends of the, it started with one part of the double pivot and they ended with the second because yeah. Kamara, Kamara robbed Harry Kane of the ball because he was sleeping and slowed it. Then goes to McGinn, as I say, puts it through to Louise, but just on continue again, he came on and he was a bit of a punch bag for a few minutes, but he was putting his body like on the line there. He knew what he had to do. I think it was one of his first acts was he, he went up for a header and he got absolutely clattered. And but it gets Villa field position. It's a bit like Grealish used to do. Get you know, put your body in the line when it's coming up there, and just get hit and take the the territory. Yeah, he was later on in the game. He was turning up at left back as well, so he's he's he was up for the cause completely. Yeah, and there was a, there was a couple of good breaks led by Coutinho later on in the game where actually Villa could have potentially gone and got the third. Which traditionally, you know, Villa away at Tottenham, you'd be sort of even at two nil with you know fifteen twenty minutes to go, you'd still be nervy. But we didn't actually really need to be because Tottenham. You know, for all the the pressure, maybe uh, Olsen could have been put under. He didn't have a save to make. Yeah, which is mad, really, when you think of the you know, the firepower that Spurs have at their disposal. I know, like Kulusevski wasn't in the team, Bentacore wasn't in the team. We've both been big players for Tottenham this year, but they were just so blunt. It was it, kind of strange to to see how actually, when you looked at the stats and the way the game flowed, the longer the second half went on, it almost got easier for Villa. Yeah, yeah, because the way I mean, the way the stats ended up, it was we you know we had more than twice the the amount of shots they had. We had double the shots on target. I mean, they had two on target, and one was straight at Olsen. He didn't actually have to make, a, let's say, a legitimate uh, save. That we could have played Sanson in goal, I think, against Spurs, <laughs> and would would have been the same. I'm, I'm sure he'd have caught caught the ball that uh, Olsen caught, which was one of their shots on target. 
And it's yeah, good okay. for them, you know, as just a unit to actually get Emery's first clean sheet, of course. You know, he's had three wins in four, but he hasn't had a clean sheet yet. That's a big statement. Olsen was more happy with a clean sheet, I think. <laughs> yeah, at 82 minutes, that was what was said before. The expandables come on, that's it. Shut the game down, result result over. It just kills the game, doesn't it? Now, uh, McGinn went off earlier on because he was injured. That's when Coutinho came on. This happened like four minutes later. So Chambers, Bednarak, and Ings comes on. Buendia comes off. He'd probably run his race. Douglas Louise had an injury as well. So I, I was more intrigued by Bednarak coming on for Konza. Yep. Because I, I only just realised that after I just assumed he brought Bednarak on, and you know we were playing three centre backs, and then I obviously think the two that was backs. probably um, because both centre backs had yellow cards. So he's probably thinking, actually, I'm in a position to make the change here. Now is probably a good time to get one of them off. That was kind of interesting, yeah. Because it was still, uh, I mean, we played. Was it seven minutes of extra time? Which could have been more injury cause I know time. Con- yeah, because Conza got the yellow for um, time wasting, didn't they? And there was and Villa were, were pretty good at taking the sting out of the game, should we say? Yeah, but yeah. no, very good. But at that time, you know, there was still eight minutes left, and then you know, slap on seven, so it's fifteen minutes. So it's still time for Spurs to uh, turn this around. So it was, uh, it was interesting that Bednarek came on for Conza and not as an additional centre back. Yeah, I mean, and this this sort of like lazy narrative now that Villa are going to be known as the time wasting team. Uh, I know the Sky commentary they were they were on it from the fir- from middle of the first half they were talking about it and they're harking back to the Brighton game. It's just well, that's every team does things. it. I mean, we've yeah. seen it with our own eyes at Villa Park. Yeah, but Villa aren't allowed to, David. We know this. No, we're not allowed. The same thing. There was the, you know, the the hypocrisy with some of the fouls. You know, if if a Villa player goes down, it's it's considered like soft. If if Kane throws himself to the ground, oh, that's clever. That's really clever. But it sounds like we're we're being like tribal little bitches moaning, but. The, the commentaries, it was all about Spurs, Spurs this, Spurs that. No, nobody really gave a damn about our point of view. It's quite, kind of quite interesting. This narrative that uh, the mainstream media is very top six centric, uh, it, it, I mean, we see it every week and it, and it is true. It's just further evidence uh, in this Spurs game. And all the all the post match stuff was all about how bad Spurs were, and not that actually Villa were, were very good on the day. Especially Which, in the I don't mind. Thoroughly deserving of the win. I'd, I'd happily, I'll happily have us. I'll happily go under the radar for a while. We're still under the radar, and if you look at the league table, we are now we are in danger because there's a divide happening uh, around that mid table part. Where if we lost this, we're suddenly like five points, seven points off teams that we should be above. You know, your Fulham's, your Brentford's. Another, but you know, another poor result, and then you, you know you're going into the second half of the season, probably three results adrift, which isn't really where you want to be. But now we are very much. We, I think we're four points above the next team, so we are part potentially if we win our next game or two of the top half of you know of the league in terms of that kind of breakaway because there, there will be a gap. But now we can look at uh, you know you know suddenly I'm watching Forest versus Chelsea thinking oh, I hope Forest gets something out of this because I fancy us in January with the fixtures we've got to uh, kind of run down Chelsea because they're bringing on Chuck Moeka and their team's not looking as 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 strong as ours actually. And I've said I've said before on previous ones I, I look at some of the teams who are above us you know the likes of Fulham, Brighton, Palace etc. And we should with the resources we've got etc. And the way we've been playing recently. You should be chasing them down and, and being above them come May. A hundred percent, we should be finishing eighth at least, and I think it's going to be tough to get above that because Newcastle have already put their foot oh, in. Yeah, they've they've kind of pierced that, haven't they? But you never know. I think as I think you said after the game that if you can use Chelsea as your as someone to kind of try and chase down, I think you'll probably end up in a good position regardless. Yeah, if you can get above Chelsea, then you then you might be able to finish seventh. But I think eighth would be a very good season. Yeah, and and it's you. You are literally the best of the rest uh, in that respect. 
after the poor start we had, it's where you would finish and you, you'd be comfortable with your achievements. Hopefully, that would include a, a tremendous FA Cup win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be a solid... That's as good as the season probably can get for us to win the FA Cup and finish eighth. But the good thing is, you know, Emery's first four games, you're talking about Liverpool, United, Spurs, and, you know, decent Brighton team away. So this is hard breeding ground for him to get his philosophy across. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, I don't think there is easy games, especially uh, from a Villa point of view. But if we can go at full whack, then maybe we can see what we are, what our uh, kind of spectrum of potential really is. Opportunity knocks, doesn't it, over the next mm-hmm. sort of month or so? Fingers crossed on the injuries. That's probably about it in terms yeah. of the actual game. Great start to the year from uh, Emery. Speaking of Emery, David, what's an Emery's clipboard this week? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Mr. Shaw. I think a quick one. We'll talk about, uh, what have I got here? We'll talk about uh, goals from open play. Maybe that's the final clue, the actual amount of goals we've scored from open play. But let's let's go with everybody's favourite stat. The stat we love to hate. Expected goals from open play, specifically. Top of the uh, table is uh, Manchester City with 25.79. Bottom, and they're always the bottom of the mm-hmm. stats, apart from uh, the last time we played this game, Bournemouth with 8.69. Now, the I- idea of uh, Emery's clipboard is a bit like, if you remember from uh, yesteryear, uh, Scott Hogan's touch count. These two chaps, and, and Chris Budd was, was on riotous form uh, through the Christmas specials. Thank you. Swatting everybody aside. We'll have three attempts to guess the amount. The actual metric is uh, points and then two digits. But if you get the points and then whatever, the next, the first digit after the the full stop, the points, then uh, I will give you it as a direct hit. There'll be three rounds, three chances, and there'll be a clue on the second and third attempts. So, Chris, but after your christmas heroics you get to choose if you want to go first or second i'll go first good news is you haven't got dan rogers shadowing you (laughs) oh god i know yeah (laughs) ghost of christmas past i'm gonna start uh, around i'm gonna go 17.34 17.34 mr Shaw at the hockey i will go 16.8 Sixteen point eight. Right, Sir uh, Chris Christopher Bud, shall we? We will call you today. Choose a team that's not Villa, and I will give you their expected goals I'm from open play. Go with Brighton, please. Seventeen point two nine. Right. I don't think I should be too far off. Then what was my first guess? Seventeen point three four. Slightly higher than Brighton. Sixteen point eight nine. Mm. 16.8 what was yours Phil 16.8 16.8 on the bottom alright okay right then Phil who's your team you picking Palace please 11.04 oof oh dear it's a bit of a curveball that it is right I will go 14.4 14.4 right for your third and final clue Villa scored 11 goals from open play Okay. From 133 shots. But ignore the shots, that's not really going to help you. 11 goals from open play. Do you need another clue? No. <laughs> I'm just thinking. He's, he's putting his formula into practice. 
Budonomics is Budonomics. back in the game. Budonomics. 15.92. Should have asked for that extra clue. 15.92. We're nowhere near. Right, Phil Shaw. 11 goals. I'll go 12.3. 12.3. That was a bit of a red herring, the 11 goals. The other clue I was going to give you was the expected goals was higher then because uh, you just think ollie watkins mate he's finishing this is true <laughs> Ollie, the, the uh, expected goals in open play was higher phil shaw very close only 0.16 off it was 14.56 villa Look. in open play uh, it's interesting, you know, you look at Manchester City, expected goals is 25.79, as I said at the start, and they've actually scored 33. They've scored eight more. Similarly, Arsenal have done the same. So these, they're scoring goals they're not expected to score, while Villa are, uh, say Watkins, I, I pin it at Watkins' uh, hesitation to take that extra touch uh, that's costing us. But, uh, well, well done, Mr. Phil. Yeah, in the corner, 2023, like I said, all, all shiny and new it is. <laughs> we, we won't bother with uh, reasons to be cheerful. I think reasons to be cheerful are pretty obvious. The Emery revolution seems to have some legitimacy about it with this Spurs win after a great start of beating Manchester United and uh, Brighton. These are real feathers in the caps. And now we play teams that perhaps there might be more straight up battles, I think, with the likes of Leeds and Wolves coming to uh, Villa Park. They could be good games, those. And hopefully we can navigate the uh, the hurdle that is Stevenage, who were uh, pretty much embedded in second place uh, in League Two and uh, having a very good season. And we, I mean, they're nine points clear of the playoffs, so you'd expect them to probably, uh, after they get hammered by Villa, it may mentally crush them and uh, they'll never win again for the rest of the season well that's the thing isn't it? if they're on the promotion charge do they do they make changes <laughs> thinking oh we don't need this distraction of a villa game <laughs> yeah. we don't we don't need the distraction of a giant killing act we'll we'll let this one slide i think they'll be up for it won't they they will i don't remember villa playing stevenage is that the first have. time oh, i think so other than maybe like a friendly in modern day anyway let's uh get out of here it's been a pleasure to discuss such a great start to the season thank you very much for listening please do share the show on uh, social media and get the word out especially like on twitter and don't forget to follow if you listen to the show on apple and spotify pretty much any app you use uh, make sure you follow then you get a notification for when the shows uh, pop up and you'll be able to listen to it uh, before anybody else right into 2023 we go bring on the dog heads mm-hmm and until the dog heads, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.